Well, if you would, go ahead and turn into your, Bi- into your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to begin looking at verse 25 today. Ephesians 5, starting with verse 25. We're going to go through the end of the chapter. Ephesians 5, starting with verse 25. And let me um, encourage you as you're turning there. I mentioned this last week. We're going through this series in the midst of Ephesians on the Spirit-filled home. Uh, Last week we talked about the role of wives in marriage. This week we're going to talk about the role of husbands. But I want to encourage you again, okay? Uh, If you are not married, this still applies to you as a part of the body of Christ. Uh, We are called as a part, whatever part we are, Ephesians 4, whatever joint you represent in the body of Christ, you're called to build each other up in love. You're called to be a part of the body corporately here. And so it's good for us to know how to pray for other parts of the body. It's good for us to know how to encourage other parts of the body. And so this is just as much for you. And and I just challenge you, I encourage you, don't check out, okay? Uh, Don't come and think, oh, this is for not me. And so I'll just check out and and not not pay attention. Don't do that. Be a part and and listen and, and know and learn how you can pray for other parts of the body better. How can you love them better? And how can you be a part of the body with them better. And so just want to remind you and encourage you that. Uh, but let's read uh, the passage this morning, uh, Ephesians five twenty-five through 33. Let's stand together as I read. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thanks for giving it to us, Lord. Thank you. I pray that this morning you would speak through it. I pray for the husbands that are here today, that their hearts would be opened by you to your word and that you would use it to change and to challenge and to encourage and to build up, Lord. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I want to ask you, men, husbands, uh, if you were this morning somehow to receive a report card For you, as a husband, what would it say? What would you score highly in? What would you not score highly in? Would you score highly in headship? Would your grades excel in love for your spouse? Biblical love for your spouse? What would it look like? Well, here's the thing. We kind of have a way to see what our report card would look like, right? Scripture gives us 
standards and gives us the direction and tells us how we ought to live and how we ought to lead and how we ought to love and how we ought to be as husbands in the home. And just like we talked about last week with wives and the role of wives in the, hus- in the home, there are roles for husbands in the home. We're called to certain things. And so we're going to get to this passage, but I want to encourage you guys, and, and similarly as I encouraged the women last week, If you're a follower of Christ, if you are in Christ, I want to encourage you with a few thoughts before we get into uh, the outline. The first is this. You are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. talked about that a few weeks ago. Verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine. That's debauchery. But keep keeping filled. Be filled with the Spirit. You're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And you're also commanded to love your wife as Christ loved the church and to lead her. And so I want to I make this statement, okay? If you are not leading and loving your wife, that is a reflection that you are not filled with the Spirit. Because we can't, we can't separate this passage, just like we can't separate last week's passage, we can't separate this passage out of context. It's flowing f- f- just straight from be filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, this is what it's going to look like. And, it, and it, we, we think that that ends at verse 21. It doesn't. It continues going. And this is what submission looks like. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And if we're filled with the Spirit, if we're filled with the Spirit, that's going to come from the Spirit in our homes. And so I want to challenge you before we get into this, that we are seeking God. We are seeking Christ. And ultimately, we're seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we might be husbands that He's called us to be. He equips us through the Spirit. He empowers us through the Spirit. And so I want to challenge you, men, be filled with the Spirit. Keep keeping filled with the Spirit. Three things I want to talk about pertaining to the role of husbands today, okay? Number one is our model in headship. Number two, our method of headship. And three, our motivation towards headship and marriage what is our model what's our model verse 23 backing up a couple verses we talked about this verse last week verse 23 says for the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church his body and is himself its savior husbands your model in the home is christ it's not as if god left you without an example you have an example it's christ That's your example. That's your model in the home. That is what you are to represent. That is what you are seeking to be like to your wife and to your children. Christ is our model. As husbands, Christ is our model. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this. Now, when the husband is called the head of the wife, and it goes on to say, as Christ is the head of the church in verse 23... Something of the divine splendor is reflected in our earthly relationships. And this reflection, we should recognize and honor. The dignity that is here ascribed to the man lies not in any capacities or qualities of his work, but in the office conferred on him by his marriage. The wife should see her husband clothed in this dignity. But for him, it is supreme responsibility. Husbands, you are called to be the head of your home. You are called to lead and to love in your homes. 
We mentioned last week from John Piper's book, his definition of submission. It says, submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. He goes on and said, headship is the divine calling of a husband to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership, protection, and provision in the home. Husbands, is that what you are seeking and being in your homes? Are you seeking and praying and working to lead your wives? Are you seeking to love your wives? Are you being what God has called and ordained you to be in the home? When you became a husband, you became a head. You became the pastor of your home. That's when I counsel couples. That's what I will tell the husband. Whether you're signing up for this or not, you are now the pastor of your home. You're the shepherd of your home. And and guys, we cannot, we must not forsake that responsibility. It is divinely placed on you. And too often it is fleshly just pushed aside. You're the head of your home. You're the head of your home. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, we have Christ is our example. I love this quote from from Piper in his book, This Momentary Marriage. He says this, leadership is hard, but you're a man. If your father never taught you how to lead, your heavenly father will. I love that. There's no excuse. Your model of headship is not your father on earth. It's Christ. We have an example. We have someone to learn from. We have someone to look to as a good, perfect example of headship. Our model is Christ. It's not our dad. It's not our great-grandfather. It's not his father. It's not his father. It's Christ. And so we have an example to look to. And we can't forsake that. And so we ought to look at Christ as our example. And that's what I want to do this morning as we talk about Christ, our model. Turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, looking uh, at verse 20 through 28. It says, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Look, maybe as a husband, you came in this morning, you look at this passage and you're like, yes, yes, I will take notes. And honey, you will take notes on this because I am the head. And this is good. But how does Christ define headship and authority? It is not a position where you rule and reign over or lord it over. He says, no, 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 that's what the Gentiles do with position. Those that are in Christ are different. They serve and they come and they love. And and, and, and his words exactly are, it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great, you must be your servant. Whoever be first must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus took the initiative. He came. He didn't wait for the church to make the first move. He came to seek and to save. He came and served. Likewise, husbands, it is not your role to come home, sit down, and begin your list of demands. You're called to serve your wife as her head. Being a head like Christ is, is, is not using that position abusively. It's using it to love and to lead. You're not called to boss your wife around. You're called to lead her. And Jesus gives us a picture of that. Jesus was that. Turn to John 13. John 13, I'm going to read the first 15 verses here, okay? Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, gets on his knees And begins to wash the filthy feet of the disciples. That's love. 
Now, let me ask you, at any point in that time, was it unclear who the leader was in that room? Did the disciples all of a sudden change their minds and think, well, he's he's serving us now. So we must now be the leaders. We don't have to follow him anymore. He's not our head anymore. No. At no point is it unclear that Christ is the leader and this leader, this head of us, this one who came to save us is on his knees and washing our feet. And it wasn't just good, put together, got everything in order people whose feet he's washing, right? Whose feet did he wash there? Judas. Judas. And it says in the passage, he knew He knew what Judas was going to do. He knew that he was going to betray him. He knew that he was handing him over to be killed. And he washes his feet. Husbands, if if you are uh, making excuses that your wife is this or your wife does that, stop. There's no excuse. One of the other things that I will, I will tell couples when we're actually going through the wedding ceremony is just have them look at each other. And, and, and as they're looking at each other, tell them, you're marrying a sinner. You know that, right? That's just what you got. That's, just, that's all you had to choose from, right? <laughs> you married a sinner. And so husbands, we can't make these excuses and say, well, my wife is this. And if she were more like this and if she did this and it'd be easier for me. Jesus got on his feet and got on his knees and washed the feet of Judas and the disciples. And he did it as an example to us, to us as the body of Christ, husbands, to us as husbands, as a part of the body of Christ. How much should we be washing the feet of our wives Christ is our model. Husbands, leadership in the home means that we should be taking the lead in reconciliation. That's what Christ did, right? If you're the head in your home, be first in reconciliation. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. Whose fault was it that Christ had to die? It was our fault, right? But he took the initiative. He didn't wait for us to make things right. He took the initiative. And as Christ is our head uh, and, and model of headship in the home, we ought to be taking the initiative. It doesn't matter if it's her fault. Take the initiative. Seek restoration. In the same way that Christ came to reconcile us to God, you take the first step doesn't matter what's been said. It doesn't matter. You take the first step. Be Christ in the home. It's your responsibility to lead your wife and your family spiritually, husbands. You should be the pastor, the worship leader of your home. Christ led his disciples by being a good example to them. He would say things like, follow me, come after me, or I have left you an example. Can we say those things to our families? Can you say that to your wives? As the head of your home, live that way so that you can say, come after me, follow me. I've set you an example, a spiritual example, a good example. Christ led his disciples by teaching them. 
You look through the Gospels at how often he would spend time teaching them about himself. Are you teaching your wives and your families about Christ? Leading your home, leading your home spiritually means teaching them about Christ. Being the worship leaders in your home. So many men don't do this because they say they feel intimidated, because they don't study enough themselves. There is a solution to that problem. Study enough yourself. I mean, it's a really simple, like, non-complicated solution. Get into the Bible and study it. If you don't feel equipped to lead your home because you're not leading yourself spiritually, that's a problem. It's not something that we just say, "Mm, oh, well. Get into the Bible, study it, know it, dig into it so that you can lead your wives. And don't wait. Start leading your wives. Some of you may may struggle and say, well, my wife is so much further along with me. That's great. That probably means you have a wife who's going to embrace you taking steps of leadership in your home even more. You're in a good place then. So start taking those steps. Dig in. Read the Bible. Read your Bible, guys. Read it and teach it to your wife. If it is the case that your wife is further along or knows more than you, then work harder. Take the initiative then to work harder that you would know the Lord and be prepared to lead and teach your wife. I love this quote from Douglas Wilson in his book, Reforming Marriage. He says, a man may not be a vocational theologian, but in his home, he must be the resident theologian. I love that. So often, you know, you you talk to people, well, I'm not a theologian. Yes, you are, by the way. Theology is just a study of God. You have your concepts and opinions of God. You You have decided on what you think about God. That's theology. It may be really, 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 really bad theology, but it's theology. Be a husband who's digging in and can, and can shape the theology of your home. Who can teach your wives and teach your families what the Bible says. Not just what you heard, but what does the Bible teach. And just take basic steps. Maybe it's just, I don't, I don't know how to begin, so we're just going to read a few verses from John. And we're going to read a few verses from this. And just... Just taking steps, but leading your families, guys. Lead your wives in this. It doesn't mean you have to know everything about the Bible. It doesn't mean you have to to be seminary trained. Just get into the Bible and learn it and study it and know God through the Bible so that you can lead your wives. We're called to lead. Lead our wives Husbands. And our model is Christ. What is our method of headship? Our method is love. Starting at verse 25 of Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. 
so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Our method in leading our homes is love. Our method in leading our wives is love. Not just any kind of love. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What does that first part say? Husbands, love your wives. That's a command, okay? So just in case you've bought into this idea that love is some kind of a feeling and then a year or two years or three years or four years or five years or six years or whatever into your marriage, her breath didn't smell as good as it did when we dated and her hair looks nappy in the morning and she does this or she does this and I didn't know she had this habit and I didn't know this or this or this and I just don't feel the same as I did in marriage. The word feel is not in this passage. It's not there. It's a command. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. What's the picture of love for you? That you should be pointing towards your spouse, your wife? Loving the way that Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave himself up for the church. He sacrificed his life for the church. Husbands, love your wives that way. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her. Look at this picture of what he's giving us of what all that we have in Christ because of his love for us. That he might sanctify her, making her more and more and more and more and more and more like her, like himself having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Thanks be to God for Christ that as the church we are cared for and we are presented to God without blemish because of the righteousness of Christ, because of all that he did for us. Wives should feel that way about their husbands. Thank you, God, for my husband who loves me as you love me. Can your wife say that? Can my wife say that? That she would thank her God for giving her me or thank her God for giving her you because she sees the love of Christ in her home. That's what we're called to, husbands. Christ took the initiative in love. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is so clear here. There's, there's no gray in this passage. Husbands, love your wives. And your love for your wife is to be sacrificial. Your love for your wife doesn't demand the submission of her. It loves in spite of the wife's shortcomings. 
you have shortcomings and she has shortcomings. The love of a husband looks beyond those. It loves in spite of those. There's a whole chapter in in Piper's book on forgiving and forbearing. So good. Husbands, read that chapter. Headship is not a right to control or to abuse or to neglect. Christ is our model. And he sacrificed for us. It's It's not a right. It's the responsibility to love like Christ in leading and protecting and providing for our wives. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. It goes on in verse 28. It says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Guys, we love ourselves too much. And some of you, please, pamper ourselves, right? We pamper ourselves. We go out of the way to please ourselves. We go out of the way to make sure we're happy. We go out of the way to make sure things are nice for us. We love and we cherish and we nourish our own bodies. Likewise, husbands, you are one flesh with your wife. You should be pampering, nourishing, cherishing, loving your wife. Because when you do, you are loving your own body. Love your wives. Nourish, cherish your wife. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ does the church. Are you nourishing your wife? Are you cherishing your wife, your bride, just as Christ does you, his bride? Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did Christ, our model, love the church? He left his throne and humbled himself. Philippians 2, verses 4 through 8 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ's love for the church caused him to leave his throne and humble himself. Some of you guys need to get off of your self-made thrones and love your wife who God has blessed you with. Love your wife. He suffered for the church. Christ loved the church by suffering for the church. He took the punishment that was meant for us upon himself. He took the punishment that was meant for us upon himself. When we were in the wrong, he suffered willingly. When we were wrong, he suffered. Guys, when... We, the bride, were wrong. He suffered. Husbands, in your homes, it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. Be the husband who loves like Christ. 
who takes the punishment upon himself. Who's willing to sacrifice and even to suffer, even when it's the wife who's wrong. Let's be honest, most of you would honestly say that's not as often as the alternative. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. He suffered for the church. Third, he initiated love. He initiated love. In Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He initiated love. Husbands, we ought to be the initiators day in, day out, hour by hour, moment by moment. We ought to be the initiators of love if we are to model Christ in the home. Be the the initiators of love. Christ loved us and modeled love for us sacrificially. Ephesians 5 verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God first Peter chapter 3 verse 18 for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit husbands pray Pray, 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 pray that God will help you have the mindset of Christ that is willing to suffer for your wives. Pray and seek him in that, that you would be like Christ in your home. It matters. It matters how we love our wives. Go to just the page before what we just read in 1 Peter 3, 8. Excuse me, verse Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that, Your prayers may not be hindered. It matters. It matters how we treat our wives. It matters how we uh, love our wives. What scripture teaches us, if we are harsh with our wives, if we don't live with them in an understanding way, loving them, nurturing them, it affects our prayer life. This makes sense. Right? It should make sense to us, okay? And just to give an example, I'm going to pick out Chris here, okay? Uh, Chris has a daughter, Hannah, right? Hannah is seven, going to be eight, okay? So Chris walks into the sanctuary next Sunday and sees Pastor Tony over in the corner pushing his daughter around. Chris is bigger than I am, okay? So he doesn't, I don't know that Chris saw me, but if I go up to Chris at Life Group Sunday night and say, hey, Chris, how's it going? We should hang out a lot more. We should do this together. We should do this. Chris, I really, really like you, Chris. We should have lunch. Let's have lunch once a week, Chris, and you can buy. 
and so on and so on. How willing is Chris going to be to be the purchaser of lunch and spend time with his pastor, who he saw pushing his precious daughter around in the corner or speaking harshly to his daughter? Not at all. Why would God be any different? If you are a punk in your home and treat your wife, God's daughter, harshly, why would you ever get on your face and say, God, I love you. Would you do this and this and this and this? And maybe we could do this. And I'm seeking, Lord, I want you first in my life. I want you first in my life. All the while, our wife comes in the room, get out, I'm trying to pray. Right? Why would we even anticipate or expect the Lord, the father of this precious girl, that he has entrusted to you to answer our prayers? He says he won't. It matters. It matters how we're treating our wives. It matters how we're loving our wives. Christ is our model. Our method is love. And what is our motivation? Look at verses 31 and 32 of Ephesians 5. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Our motivation is the glory of God. The glory of God. There's a point of all this. There's a point to marriage, to display Christ and the church. Marriage isn't ultimately about you. It's about God. So don't waste your marriage. It is an opportunity to display God. Lead and love your wife that God will be glorified. And let me just say, if, if you are saying that you desire and want and are striving to live for the glory of God and you're not leading your wife and loving your wife, you're not glorifying God. Husbands, love your wives. There's a purpose here. Bigger than you and bigger than me. God designed marriage even before people understood there would be a church that Christ would die for. He designed Marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. And you're called to display Christ to your wife, to your family, to those around you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can lead and love your wives in a way that shows your children, your wife, your neighbors, your co-workers what Christ is like. That's phenomenal. That is amazing. That is a divine blessing that has been placed upon you. But there's a responsibility there that you would embrace it and embrace Christ and and seek to be all that he has called you to be as a husband. But it takes the Holy Spirit. It takes being filled with the Spirit. And so as husbands, seek, seek, seek after God. Seek to be filled with the Spirit. Seek Him through His Word. Dig in, dig in, dig in, dig in. Make time for it. Make time for it. So many of us have the excuse, I just don't have time. I would love, I would love to be in the Bible more. I just don't have time. 
I only have time for Facebook, and I only have time for Newsweek, and I only have time for ESPN, and I only have time for this, and I only have time for this, and I only have time for this. I just don't have time anymore for the Word. It's a priority thing. Make time for God's Word. You're the husband. You're the head. Get into the Bible and lead your wives. Wives, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can love and submit to your husbands in a way that shows your husband, your children, your neighbors, and others how much the church loves Christ. That is a divine role. That is a blessing. Be what Christ has called you to be. Be filled with the Spirit and submit to your husbands in a way that displays Christ in the church. Let me ask you guys. Do you believe the gospel genuinely? If our, if our marriages are supposed to be a picture of Christ in the church, a picture of the gospel, do you genuinely believe the gospel? So much so that you, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that you would say with him, the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls me. Because of all that Christ is for me. All that Christ has done for me. All that God has given me in Christ. The love of Christ controls me. Do you genuinely believe the gospel? Do you see how wonderful it is? Can you honestly say that you believe it? Can you honestly say that it is the treasure in your life? That you have found Christ like a man who found treasure in a field and, and hid it and in his joy went and sold all that he had to get the field. Do you see Christ that way? Is it your treasure? If so, let the gospel compel you to Christ-like love. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, your primary neighbor, your primary relationship is your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. How do wives feel when you're not leading them, men? You feel abandoned. You promised them something that isn't happening. Which makes you not a man of your word. It causes her to be tempted to fill the role that you're not filling. And that is sin for her. You are causing her to be tempted to sin. Because that is your role. It leads them to fear at times. Guys, men, godly men, don't leave their wives feeling that way. Paul summarizes the the passage in verse 33 says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I want to close by um, just asking God to help us. Asking him to change our hearts where we need to be changed. And I'm going to ask you that you would bow with me humbly and, uh, and set your hearts honestly on who we are praying to. We're praying to God, the God of the universe, who loves us and, and, and loves us so much that He demonstrated His love by giving His own Son. 
as a sacrifice for our sins. And so I just want to ask God to bless our homes. I want to ask God to help those of us who are husbands here to lead and to love our wives the way that we are called to lead and to love. That he would help the wives here by the power of the Spirit to be what he made them to be in marriage, to submit to their husbands in a way that honors them and respects them. Not in a way that makes them less, but in a way that reveals and demonstrates and displays Christ in the church. Let's pray. Lord, We need you. Every one of us. It doesn't matter what our our situation is, whether married or, or unmarried, whatever. It doesn't matter. We need you, God. We are desperate for your Holy Spirit to fill us, to help us, to enable us and empower us to be what you have called us to be in the Scriptures. And as we look today, we look at the role of husbands, God, What a high calling. Who is there like Christ? There is none other. And yet you have called us to display Christ in our homes. I pray that the. Just the weightiness of that calling would weigh on our hearts as husbands so much that we could go no other place but to you, Lord, to your spirit and beg you at this moment to change us, that we would repent for hearts who have been prideful in our homes and have neglected our responsibility to shepherd and serve and love our wives and in its place have demanded things from our wives that you have not called us to demand. I pray for true repentance. I pray for the men who are husbands in this church. I pray that you would help them to see that you have given them them your spirit. If they are in you, you have given them your spirit. I pray that the excuses, the idleness, the laziness, the self-centeredness, the pride would be set aside for the cause of Christ. That homes would look differently from this minute forward. The husbands would lead their wives as Christ, you lead us by serving, by washing our feet, but also by pouring into us and teaching us, by shepherding us. The husbands would take the initiative to dig in and get into your word. That they might lead their homes biblically. That they might point their wives and point their children to you, Jesus. That wives and children will be thankful for the husbands and fathers that you have given to them. I pray that, Lord. Pray that you would help men to rise up and be what you have called them to be, God. I thank you for the wives that you've given us. Thank you for how you have blessed us, Lord. May we be Christ to them. I pray for the wives in this room, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit, God. Help them. Help them. 
I pray that they would embrace the divine calling that you have given to them to help their husbands. In love as a display of Christ and the church, the husbands and wives would function together in a way that glorifies you. Christ, you are our model as husbands. You are our model. Our method, Lord, is love because you loved us more than we could ever be loved. For husbands and wives both, our motivation is the glory of you, God. May you be glorified in our homes. May you be glorified in our church. May you be glorified in us as individuals as we seek to please the one who has given everything for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.